Episode 39, Back to the Future. Welcome to episode 39 of Two Geeks, Two Beers with me, Tom, and my time-travelling pal, Morgan. All right. So uh, last time you kind of spoke in depth about one of your favourite films, mm, or if not your favourite film, Predator. Secretly, secretly yeah. my favourite. And this time it's my turn. I mean, technically it's my second favourite film. My favourite film was it's Gregory's Girl, but we're never going to do an episode on, on that. I don't anticipate a Gregory's Girl episode. But it's my second favourite film of all time, and definitely my favourite franchise of all time. Mm-hmm. It's Back to the Future, the bum, movie bum, series. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, no, is wait, it? that's... Is that... That's Space Precinct. <laughs> no one has sung ever in the history of the world. Um, so we'll start with the beers, which I've left as a bit of a surprise. So normally we have the beers yeah. lined up. This time, yeah. this is the first time we're doing a, a live reveal of the beers. Yeah. Tom's got them. I don't know what they are. I'm I've very excited. to you yeah. far much more than I should have done in advance. But right. Anyway. So essentially I've got one each. They're two. They're both different. Exciting. Because I was at my local um, sort of wanky... Uh, it, was, it, was a sla- it was a bar slash place you can actually buy the beers. A bar slash off license. Yeah, because this is Back to the Future, mm. um, we're looking for sort of brown... Brown ales, ales yeah. brown ales. So the first one is called The Nut, which you could say that Dot Brown is a little bit, and it's a hazelnut brown. Hazelnut that's the, brown. That's the first one. Yeah, I think you might have oversold this yeah. a little. And the first, the second one is American Oak Brown. American Brown Ale Spawn Oak, whatever that means, from mm. Siren Craft Brew. Which one would you like? I'll just have the one that I'm currently holding, the which nut. is which is the nut. Okay, let's let's try this live. Very good. Cheers. Cheers. Very brown. <laughs> Very brown. Very Very brown. brown. So uh, I think we would have done a Back to the Future episode kind of ages ago, but in, in the past. But yeah, but I feel like. In like two years, two or three years ago, in 2015, there was a bit of Back to the Future fatigue. BTTF fatigue. Yeah, because there was that secret cinema thing which I went to, which was really good, and it was a big thing in London that everyone banged on about. And what was, was that? It was, it was a special screening of Back to the Future, and, and you had to dress up and you had to get involved and all this kind of stuff. What did you dress up as, Mar- uh, Marty? I didn't actually. You had to sort of dress up as like a, a 50s teen. Right. Yeah. But there was that, but then there was also the actual date from the second movie in 2015, where they travelled in in the future. Now, no, yeah, but was it the actual day? Was it the actual date? Because I've seen a lot of like fake memes. No, they did that for a few years. It was like, oh my god, today is actually Back to the Future Day. Yeah. It wasn't. It, but we actually did pass the actual day in 2015. No one even noticed. And so for a while, everyone was kept banging on about Back to the Future. And I think yeah. if we did an episode then, it would just been lost and everything else. Whereas so. now, it's definitely going to be a huge success. Yeah. And our biggest episode of all time. Oh yeah, yeah, timely. <laughs> Timely. Uh, so, uh, we're going to go through the sort of franchise as a whole, starting, of course, with Back to the Future, uh, the first film. Now, my first memory, I, I remember seeing it one Christmas. I must have been like, I must have, I don't know, I must have been like six, something mm. like that. And it was about 1993, and it was kind of my first sort of understanding of what movies were. It was sort of, <laughs> it was on, on telly, and it was that thing of like Only Fools and Horses did. You know, they had like, 
one film a year. Right. So, like, it was Back to the Future one year, and then I had to wait a whole year before they played Back to the Future 2. On, on the telly? Yeah, because it was, like, probably new at that point. Right. And so, each Christmas, like, oh my God, it's the next Back to the Future film. Yeah. And I, just, I just bloody loved it. But I, I, I watched them on VHS over and over and over again. But I forever had whatever the televised versions were, because... Ooh. When I put them on DVD, I realised there was a lot more kind of swear words and naughty bits. And a, and a, and a song. No, wait, that's Muppet Christmas Carol. So, <laughs> no, because Marty says, like, son of a bitch and and, and Oh, and bastard. Oh, and no. Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I remember, I, I think I saw it a lot on TV. Yeah. And then I watched it possibly on, on DVD. And there's a, you're going to see some serious shit, yeah, Marty. They cut that out. And I, I was like, serious shit? Yeah. And also, uh, one bit, at the beginning of the film, when Marty's got to uh, school mm. there's a wall of graffiti mm. and if you now you've got DVD mm. HD quality you can zoom in and it says the word smeg no smegma <laughs> right. it's not even the red dwarf smeg we're right. talking like naughty kind of ugh. so just back to the future pause get the try and explain that one filth yeah so what are your kind of memories and thoughts well, uh, and so I I guess sort of appropriately came at it Backwards, I came in a, in, oh. in, in a weird sort of way. In that I, um, I'm pretty sure I saw Back to the Future Part Three first. <laughs> you must have not understood what the hell was going on. Well, I was a kid, so it was just like you know, yes, a fun Western, wild West adventure. Yeah. And I, it was those films were on telly all the time, like yeah. all the Still time. Are. And it's and it's 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 like any excuse. So yeah. it's like Bank Holiday, put Back to the Future on. Yeah. Christmas, put Back to the Future on. Yeah. And they would, I seem to remember they would, so it must have been a, a little later, they would air uh, two and three together quite a lot because they sort of form a pair of those yeah. films. Uh, but they would air like Back to the Future Part 2 one day and then the next day you get Back to the Future Part 3. For some reason I only ever saw Back to the Future Part 3. I saw it like eight times, which it's 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 a good movie, yeah. but it's probably, arguably, I'd say the weakest of the three, maybe yeah, you disagree. Yeah. So, but like still good. Yeah. Um, and so it was years before I actually sat down and watched Back to the Future and then the latest one I saw was Back to the Future Part 2 and that kind of helped me fill in the gaps so I think Back to the Future was always uh, a, a credible film it always it was always people liked it mm. but I feel like over time it has now become sort of we're talking one of the best movies of all time was it was it a success at the box office it was a success it wasn't a success it but it's still it gone on to have a cult following yeah, yeah nonetheless I think, I think even more so mm. over, over time mm. so let's get into mood with the trailer for the very first film Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future a Robert Zemeckis film Marty leads an ordinary life no McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley well, history is going to change and 1985 is not his year but Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It worked! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a baby. Tough. And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown can help him get back to the future. 
Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Uh, yes, Back to the Future, famously the story of Marty and his pal, Dr. Brown. That's what, that's what we would call him, Dr. Brown, of course. So, in brief. So, Back to the Future, 1985, sci-fi, adventure comedy, directed by Robert Zemeckis, and written by Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Stars Michael J. Fox as teenager Marty McFly, who is sent back in time to 1955, where he meets his future parents in high school and accidentally becomes his mother's romantic interest. Bit weird. Christopher Lloyd portrays the eccentric scientist Dr. Emmett... Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Emmett Doc Brown, Marty's friend, who helps him repair the damage to history by helping Marty cause his parents to fall in love. Marty and Doc must also find a way back to return Marty back to 1985. So, I won't bother going through the whole, you know, bit by bit mm. of the film. If you haven't... If you listen to this, you're probably a big fan. If you're not, then what are you doing? Make <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Now. Yeah. So on paper, as you say, storyline sounds a bit weird. It is a bit weird. Considering the whole accidental incest. I don't, I don't think you could sort of get away with writing that in a plot now. I'm not convinced on celluloid it's entirely unweird. No. <laughs> but it's sort of done in kind of a way that is sort of weirdly pure and innocent. Charming. It, you don't watch it and go, ew. Mm. It's sort of like, it's not, nah, it's not it's sweet. It's, it's not like Game of Thrones no, incest. exactly. It's where, a very different where kind everyone's of... Really gunning for, for Jon Snow to shag his arm. Everyone's like annoyed if he doesn't. Whereas yeah. Back to the Future is like, oh, it's, we know he's, he's not going to do it. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> One of the main reasons I love Back to the Future is kind of unlike modern films that have to kind of explain every little thing, it's never explained how or why Marty and Doc are friends. No. Think about it. No. And in 2018, you probably would have to explain you, why, yeah, why a backstory and a, and a prequel and. Well, no, you just have to explain why a teenage boy is friends with an old man <laughs> who lives alone in a garage. You yeah. probably would have to explain. I mean, that. you could say that Doc went out of his way to become friends with Marty after working with him back in the 50s. So when Marty goes back to the uh, 50s, yeah. and you think, oh, oh but that's no, but that's a why? then that's a causality it's a loop. It's a paradox. But, but creator co-creator Bob Gale did once say this. For years, Marty was told that Doc Brown was dangerous, a crackpot, a lunatic. So being a red-blooded American teenage boy, aged 13 or 14, he decided to find out just why this guy was so dangerous. So he snuck into Doc's lab and was fascinated by all the cool stuff that was there. So when Doc found him there, he was delighted to find that Marty was thought he was cool and accepted him for who he was. So both of them sort of were the black sheep in their communities and sort of went with it. That makes sense. But I like the fact they didn't bother explaining it. You just sort of had to make it up for yourself. Yeah. I don't think that would happen now. You have to ruin it by just sort of going on about it. So you, you love a good development story of how. Oh, I do. I do. I like. Together. I like almost happened. So, so Bob Gale conceived the idea after he visited his parents after the release of their previous film Used Cars, which I've never heard of my life. Uh, searching their basement, Gale found his father's high school yearbook and discovered he was president of his graduating class. So Gale thought about the president of his own graduating class and thought. I've had nothing to do with that guy. Mm. So would I be friends with this with, with my dad if I was in, in the same sort of year? Because right. I bet if you look back at your your parents, you think, would I have? Would my I? dad was a rugby player, so I definitely wouldn't have been friends <laughs> really? with him at all. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> Some, something happened along the way. So when he returned to California, he told Robert Zemeckis of his new concept, and Zemeckis thought of a mother claiming she never kissed a boy at school when in fact she was highly promiscuous. So. Zemeckis sort of that's where Zemeckis' mind yeah, went straight he, away he's like yeah I've got this idea what if would, do you think I would get on with my dad and he's like I've got another idea that ties into it horny mum yeah hot mum <laughs> he's like I'm not sure that's where Rob, I was going Rob, but... you've got issues mate <laughs> 
So they apparently set the story in 1955 because a 17 year old travelling to meet his parents at the same age required the script to do so. Makes sense. Back to the 50s. Whereas, you know, if they did make a film in 2015, mm. it would be back in the 80s. 2015? Yeah, if they, if they made one recently. Got <laughs> I just worried you thought the year was 2015. We, we haven't got we, 2015. We haven't had that much to drink. Uh, and also, the 50s was a perfect era with mm. teenagers, rock and, and roll. roll, all that kind of stuff. And the DeLorean, the famous mm. DeLorean, which was the time traveling device. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? It was chosen because its design made the gag about the family of farmers who they who Marty crashes into in the 50s, mistaking it for a flying saucer because the doors opened upwards. And uh, so we thought that was that was easy. Looks like an airplane. Well, wait. Apparently Biff Tannen was named after studio executive Ned Tannen, uh, who behaved aggressively towards Vizemichus and Gail during a script meeting for their one of their previous films, I Wanna Hold Your Hand. So they were like, right, that guy yes. a prick. Get, this, get this guy, ruin his life. What are you looking at, butthead? So... The first draft was presented to Columbia, who were like, eh. <laughs> they, apparently, they thought it was a really nice, cute, warm film, but not sexual enough. He's, he's already got the hot so, mum. He's like, enough incest. Robert Smekers is like, we've got the hot mum in there. What yeah. more do you want? They suggested we take it to Disney, but we decided to see if any other major studios wanted a piece of us first. So ev- apparently, every major film studio rejected the script for the next four years, uh, while Back to the Future went through several more drafts. To make it more sexy. Yeah. <laughs> During the early 80s, popular teen comedies such as uh, Porky's and Fast Times at Richmond High, mm. they were the big thing. That's true, comedy. actually. Yeah, it was the time of like risque. raunchy teen comedies. Yeah. Way before like American Pie made well, it even bigger. American Pie was like the second wave yeah. of those kind of like Porky's type. Damn it, I told you we were going to miss them. Well, it's okay, Pee-wee. Take it easy. We'll get them next time. Yeah, but Miss Walker, a real woman and I missed her. Pee-wee. About to get laid by an exotic dancer in a few hours. That's real woman. Apparently, Back to the Future was too light, so they they tried it with Disney, but they told us they told us a mother falling in love with her son was not quite appropriate for a family film under the Disney banner. Ah, not raunchy enough. Too raunchy. Know, exactly. In- incest with your mum lands squarely in the middle. So they were attempted to ally themselves with Steven Spielberg, who produced their previous films. Um, but apparently their previous films used cars and I Want to Hold Your Hand were both total bombs which is why we've never heard of them exactly so uh, they showed the screenplay to Spielberg who loved it but he was um, absent because Zemeckis felt he didn't want to be like he didn't want to be those guys who could only make a film because Spielberg (laughs) hey hey, we've got funding for our new movie oh yeah by by yourself (laughs) well no Steve had to step oh Steve (laughs) Yeah, so Steve. instead, Zemeckis chose to direct Romancing the Stone, starring Michael Douglas. Wow, well, thank goodness, because otherwise we would live in a world without Romancing the Stone. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not being serious. There's a couple of uh, great sort of franchise movies, though, but they haven't really stood the test of time, have they? they haven't really, like... Romancing the Stone? Yeah, and the other great? one. What's the other one? What's the, what is the other it was one? was a sequel. What was it called? Something of the Nile. Jewel of the Nile? Jewel of the Nile. Is it Jewel of the Nile? Yeah. I might have made that up. Sounds about right. But, uh, <laughs> but they, they, you know what I mean? They're not Back to the Future, are they? They're not like... It's not like... I mean, but what is Back to the Future? <laughs> Leave Romancing the Stone alone. <laughs> What's the sequel called? I'm looking at it. Jewel of the Nile! It's Jewel of the Nile! Again, again. Uh, like, oh, what's the capital of, of of Russia? No idea. What's the sequel to Romancing the Stone? For some reason, my brain knows it's Jewel of the Nile. <laughs> Useless information. You lost what? I lost my button. My button. You're going to lose a lot more than that.
These were Italian. Now they're practical. Essentially, Zemeckis, once he made Romancing the Stone, and that was a, a relative success, we were like, mm. right, now we can go to Spielberg. Now we can take it to mm. him because we've proved ourselves. We've, we've done all right. Yeah. We can do it. So, executive, Sidney Scheinberg. Great guy. Great name. Sidney Scheinberg. He made some suggestions to the script, changing Martin's mother's name to, from Meg to Lorraine. So well done, well done him. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of those classic network notes, though. It's like, <laughs> hey, what do you think of the script? I love it, but her name should be Lorraine. Why? <laughs> Well, it was like, the name of his wife, actress Lorraine Gray. So that's why he did it. Oh, fair enough. That's why he did it. He changed Brown's name from Professor Brown to Dot Brown. So well done him. So would he been like Prof? Yeah, Prof Brown. And he also replaced like, his pet like, chimpanzee to a dog. So Marty had a pet chimpanzee. Yeah. What was that one we were talking? You did an episode where it was loads of monkeys involved in, in, in well, the, the apes. No. <laughs> well, yeah. There was one we talked recently where it was like. Was it was it Predator? It was like going to be a monkey in a in a thing. Monkeys are a recurring thing <laughs> in Two Geeks. Of course, there was the Planet of the Apes episode. Uh, yeah, the, the the Predator was going to be played by a monkey yeah, originally. Yeah. There was also an original draft of Doctor No in our James Bond episode where yeah. Doctor No yeah. was a monkey. See, see, so um, Einstein was going to be a, going to be a a, mon- a chimpanzee. So yeah, uh, and he also wanted the title but he, okay so he did okay here Scheinberg mm. he was like oh, some good changes but he also wanted to change the f- name of the film to Spaceman from Pluto there's no Spaceman from Pluto in this nah. movie did he know Con- a Spaceman from Pluto convinced that no successful film ever had future in the title what's he basing this on so appalled by that new <laughs> title Zemeckis had to go to Spielberg and go after all that they thought they had the cred but they had to go back to Steve and be like Spielberg essentially he dictated a memo back to Scheinberg where he convinced him they thought the the title was a joke so embarrassing him enough to drop the idea like like, Like, yeah good one yeah good one good one Scheinberg oh the battle of the Bergs Spielberg he (laughs) he just owned up Scheinberg massively Uh, so casting you love casting Mm. so Michael J. Fox was the first choice to play Mike McFly alright okay Jennifer what what if I send in the tape and they don't like it I mean, what if they say I'm no good? What if they say, get out of here, kid. You got no future. I mean, I just don't think I can take that kind of rejection. Jesus, I'm starting to sound like my old man. But it was committed to but family ties. I was going to say, because wasn't yeah. it... Oh, yeah, there's another... There's Stoltz. A, it's Eric Stoltz. Because family ties is a weird... Again, big success at the time. Mm. Huge show. Mm. No legacy at all. Has no legacy. No one's watched it for about 30 years. Next. Alex gets hooked on a scientist Whoa. who hooks him to a lie detector that hates him. I got nothing to hide. Do you see yourself as an obsessive planner? Well, I, I wouldn't say obsessive. Meet the girlfriend who does funny things to Alex on the all-new season premiere of Family Ties, next. Like, I mean, I suppose in, in the UK it just never was a hit over here, was it? Do you know what? It was lacking, probably. What? Like, a lot of classic sitcoms that still have a bit of a legacy, a bit of impact. Good catchphrase. Yeah. It's like, you know, Different Strokes has yeah. What You Talking About Willis and uh, what's that, our favourite? <laughs> what is it? Good Times. Yeah, the good sitcom times. Good Times, which good has Dynamite! <laughs> a great catchphrase. Catchphrase comedy, underrated. Family Ties does not have a catchphrase. <laughs> Exaggerated sense of one's own importance. That couldn't be anybody in this family. <laughs> ah! So, with apparently Meredith Baxter, who was his co-star on maternity leave, um, they refused to allow Michael J. Fox time of work to do the film. So, couldn't do it. Uh, so, they cast Eric Stoltz 
instead. And they were impressed with his with his work. They thought he was it was good. But for whatever reason, after a matter of time, uh, Zemeckis determined that Stoltz had been miscast. They realised that sh- reshooting the film would add $3 million to their already $14 million budget. They were like, got to do it, sorry, got to recast Do you reckon it. Stoltz now is like, ah, oh. yeah, like, a little bit. I know I'm, I know I'm, the, I'm the drug dealer guy from Pulp <laughs> Fiction, but like, I'd rather be Martin McFly. I know, I know I'm in Anaconda, <coughs> but I'd rather be Martin McFly. So let's, let's watch a little bit of them talking about the whole Stoltz thing. The Stoltz scenario. We were given a mandate that we had to make the movie by a certain date. And uh, if we didn't make the movie by a certain date, they would cancel the movie. So being a, a young and a uh, hungry filmmaker and maybe uh, having a bit of an inflated ego, I thought, well, I can make this work. So, you know, as you do when you're making a movie, you may finally make a decision. And that first decision was to go with Eric Stoltz. We shot for five weeks with Eric. He was totally professional but there was just something missing. He's a magnificent actor, but his comedy sensibilities were very different than what I had written with Bob, and he and I just never were able to make that work. And he showed me the first five weeks of footage cut together, and he just said, I don't think we're getting the laughs that I was hoping we would, we, we would get. And, and I looked at Bob, and I realized that he was absolutely correct, and I said, Bob, what do you want to do? So I had to make this horrific decision, which was very heartbreaking for everybody. But luckily, um, I was able to um, convince the studio to let me reshoot five weeks of work. Michael J. Fox, he's the guy you go to for the laughs. Stoltz, he's more more mask. He's more the fly too. (laughs) He's he's not the guy you go to for for the big chuckles. So you couldn't see it there, but we just watched little clips of um, Eric Stoltz in scenes like the diner scene where he meets his dad and it's 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 shot for shot the same yeah. it's actually he looks remarkably like Michael J Fox but even just from watching still images it clearly wasn't as good <laughs> clearly wasn't as, as, good. as good as Michael J Fox so made the right decision I think uh, you wonder if that you'd know, be brave enough to do that now mm, if it's like too much money Joel yeah. Kinnaman Jai Courtney they're not delivering the goods let's get someone in who's Actually charismatic. So Fox's schedule was opened up in January 85 when uh, his co-star Baxter returned following her pregnancy and the crew made a deal that Fox's main priority would be family ties and if a scheduling conflict arose, they would win. It's like, like you say, family ties now has no legacy. Imagine if family ties had prevented Back to the Future. Same thing as like, no, Pierce Brosnan, you can't play James Bond because of Remington Steel. It's like, who the fuck is this shit about Remington <laughs> exactly. Steel? Exactly. You're not only a nationally known detective, you're an international hero. Well, that's a sure fix, Laura. <laughs> only a joke. Only a joke. So, following Stoltz's departure, Fox's schedule, he made an effort with this film. So, during weekdays, it consisted of him filming Family Ties in the day. He filmed them simultaneously. Yeah, so in the daytime we do Family Ties and then Back to the Future from 6.30pm to 2.30am. So averaged about five hours sleep each night. During Fridays he shot from 10pm to 6 or 7am and then moved on to film exterior scenes and all that kind of stuff. But he said, it was my dream to be in the film and the television business, although I didn't know I'd be in them simultaneously. I like to think that some sort of divine thing was going off in his head going mm. it's worth it trust or he me. just knew that if he dropped out they'd get Jason Bateman in or something <laughs> Jason like, Bateman like Teen Wolf 2 <laughs> but Marty was a per- was a personal hero of mine because he's not the tallest of men <laughs> I, I thought you were going to be like he's cool <laughs> he doesn't care cool. what anyone thinks That's of him great. but you're it was just like Michael J Fox is short because at no point mm. was it a 
problem for him. It, it was it was a short guy, yeah. but he was going out of a hot chick. Yeah, he was a good. He was a great guitarist and rock yeah. band. He could he, he could he could skate. He did that. Yeah. He did that awesome thing where you skate, but you hold on to the back of yeah. like a truck. I always wanted to do that. Yeah, just a great guy. Yeah, just a great guy. Just yeah, to be. It's a great wee little guy. Yeah. So they, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd cast as Dot Brown, and he was no apparently the second choice, the first choice. Yeah, John Lithgow. He was unavailable. Interesting. He w- I think Lithgow would have been good. Lithgow's good and everything. But Lloyd is is obviously Dot Brown. I'm from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now I need your help to get back to the year 1985. Oh, God. Do you know what this means? It means that this damn thing doesn't work at all. Christopher Lloyd, though, is another Max von Sydow. He's someone who's always yeah. been old. I guess because he was made up to look old yeah. in Back to the Future, but he's someone who has always been old and is still an old man. Apparently, he originally turned down the role, but changed his mind after reading the script and the persistence of his wife. <laughs> like nagging, nagging. Yeah. Oh, stop, stop yakking in my ear about Back to the Future. But also, I'm like, he turned down the role, he accepted it after reading the script. Yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Read the script, Chris. Come on. Uh, apparently, Dot Brown's notable hunch came about because of us at six foot one. He was considerably taller than Fox's five foot five. <laughs> five I'm, foot I'm taller, five. I'm tall. I'm tall. I'm five foot six. Yeah. I'm taller than Michael J. Fox in his prime. You were vaulted that particularly low bar. And so they needed to look closer in height. So right. he had sort of hunch. Uh, Crispin Glover uh, played George McFly. Um, Zemeckis said Glover improvised much of his nerdy mannerisms. Uh, director joked he was endlessly throwing a net over Crispin because he was completely off about 50% of the time brain my density has brought me to you what? oh what I meant to say was wait a minute don't I know you from somewhere? yes yes I'm George George McFly I'm your density more about Christopher Glover later. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I want to get onto the, the sequel stuff yeah. with Christopher Glover. Okay, good. Leah Thompson castes Lorraine McFly. You're my mom. You're my mom. My name is Lorraine. Lorraine Bates? Yeah. But you're... Uh, you're so... Uh, you're so... Thin. Just relax, Calvin. You've got a big bruise on your head. Ah. Where are my pants? Over there. On my hope chest. I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. Calvin, why why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that is your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. She had acted opposite... She was only cast because she was acted opposite Stoltz in another film called The Wildlife. And they noticed... They, they thought they had a good... Chemistry. chemistry. And then he dropped out, and so she kept... <laughs> The role, that so. would have. Yeah, uh, Thomas F. Wilson cast as Biff Tannen, one of the best movie villains of all time, mm. and yet the only thing he ever did, essentially, he's uh, a, hasn't, hasn't he retired from private? Yeah, from he's life a stand-up now. comedian. He's a bit of a musician, but in terms of movies, that was like the only thing mm. he really ever did. Which is what a, what a role to do there. Hey, I'm talking to you, McFly, you Irish bug. Oh, hey, Biff. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think, McFly. Think. I gotta have time to recopy. 
You realize what would happen if I hand in my homework and your handwriting? I'll get kicked out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you? Would you? Well, now, of course not. No, I wouldn't no. want that to happen. Um, again, uh, the original choice, J.J. Cohen. He wasn't physically imposing enough to bully Eric Stoltz because Eric Stoltz was a bit taller. Cohen got recast as skinhead with Biff's sort of cronies. Right. So Cohen was meant to be the main one. Right. Is he Is he one of the ones who delivers the famous... No, that's, that's, that's a feature two. We'll get on for that, the famous yeah, yeah. line. But that's it is quite interesting how so much of yeah. the casting was based around Eric Stoltz, yeah, yeah. who then didn't so, feature in the final movie. J.J. Cohen thought, yes, I'm going to be the main baddie. No, you're going to be one of the, the cronies because you're not imposing enough for Eric Stoltz. Mm. So had Fox been cast from the beginning, Cohen probably would have just won the part because he was significantly taller than Fox. Do you know what I mean? Got you. Oh, so, I see. So he was cast as the crony yeah. because he wasn't tall enough to impose over Stoltz, Stoltz but he would have a Fox. Yeah, so if Fox had been it from the start, Cohen probably would have got the role. Uh. But Thomas F. Wilson came in. Melora Hardin was originally cast in the role of Marty's girlfriend, Jennifer. Oh, she's gone on. She was in uh, in the US office playing Jan. Yeah. I think she was in Transparent as well. So she's, she's done all right for herself. But she was let go, again, after Stoltz was dismissed. The explanation that the actress was now too tall to be playing against Fox. <laughs> how, how much of this movie's casting was decided on minimal height difference? So she was gone and uh, didn't even shoot a single scene. And then Claudia Wells came in to play instead. Even though she was still taller than Fox, mm. but not as tall. Not as tall. Does your mom know about tomorrow night? Ah, get out of town. My mom thinks I'm going camping with the guys. Well, Jennifer, my mother would freak out if she knew I was going up there with you, and I get the standard lecture about how she never did that kind of stuff when she was a kid. I mean, look, I think the woman was born a nun. She's just trying to keep you respectable. Well, she's not doing a very good job. Terrible. So, filming. Uh, I mentioned Alan Silvestri last time. Mm. The music. He was the composer for Predator and also Back to the Future. Yeah, so he collaborated with Zemeckis on Romancing the Stone. And uh, apparently Spielberg didn't like the score for that. (laughs) No, you know, no, do you know what it was? <laughs> Romancing the Stone is obviously an Indiana Jones rip-off. Yeah. And they were so like, like <laughs> so Steve, what do you reckon of our film, Romancing the Stone? He's like, yeah, I don't like the music. I don't like the music. He had to get something in there. He had to kick him when they're down. But even despite that, Zemeckis uh, recruited him anyway. Also, Huey Lewis and News, obviously. Of course. Recruited to create the theme song. So their first attempt was rejected by Universal because, so they were like, oh, Okay, uh, right, well, here's another one. Just gonna, just gonna give you the power love. Just knock, just knock that one off. Yeah. No worries. The studio loved the song, but we're kind of disappointed at first that it didn't feature the, the title. <laughs> it's back, back to, to the, the future. future! It doesn't, doesn't scan, no. it doesn't scan. So they, instead, the studio were like, okay, well, we're just gonna have to sort of send memos to radio stations going, Okay, it doesn't say Back to the Future, but it's for Back to the Future, so please mention Back to the Future. But like a lot of great movie songs don't feature the name of the no. song. It's not like Seal saying, Batman forever! No. Or, exactly. or, or, or Brian Adams saying, <laughs> Everything I do, Prince of Thieves. Because <laughs> I'm Robin Hood. Yeah, it's fine. But they, they also did Back in Time. Great song. The end, the end credits, yes. which sort of uh, sets Ties up in. the whole time travel thing. So, released July 3rd, 1985, grossed over 381 million worldwide, which is pretty good. The highest grossing film of 1985. <laughs> the highest. The highest. It won one Academy Award for Best Sound Effects. Uh, I, lo- well, I really as, love that sound effect. As well as receiving three additional Academy Award nominations, five BAFTA nominations, and four Golden Globe nominations. Boom. Didn't win any of them, but it, it had a lot of nominations. <laughs> a lot of nominations. And 
you look back at 85 and think, what else came out in 1985? Mm. Okay. What, what, won? what won the Oscar? What, 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 won what won was the Best Picture of 1985? Be like, yeah, it's pretty good actually. Amadeus. <sighs> I mean, fine. It's catchy. Is it? it... <laughs> but was it as good as? Is it as good as Back to the Future? It's not, is it? I'd argue not. Back to the Future Two. Yes. Sirius continues. Dot Brown travels with Marty and Jennifer to the year 2015, hence why I said it earlier, where he has discovered Marty's family is in ruins. Your kids, Marty! We've got to know something about your kids! Shortly after correcting the situation, Marty buys a sports almanac containing the outcomes of 50 years' worth of sporting events to make easy money. However, Dot talks him out of it and throws the almanac in the trash, where the 2015 Biff Tannen finds it. While Marty and Doc are fucking about... So, that's the, so this is the official plot synopsis Tom's reading now. Well, well Marty and Doc are fucking about. Biff steals the DeLorean time machine and gives the book to his 1955 self just before he goes to the dance at the end of the first movie. When Doc and Marty return to 1985, they find that Biff has used the sports almanac's knowledge for financial gain, turning into a Donald Trump-like figure. I was going to say, he's now president of the United States. Yeah, which allows him to, to be Donald Trump. <laughs> Getting away with the murder of Marty's father and later marrying Marty's mother. Marty and Doc go back to steal the almanac from Biff before he can use it to destroy their lives. They accomplish this in a complex fashion, often crossing their own past selves' paths. <laughs> this is a synopsis so complicated you can't even and read it properly. When the duo are about to travel back to 1985, a lightning bolt strikes the DeLorean and activates a time circuit, sending Doc back to 1885 and leaving Marty stranded once again in 1955. Let's see the trailer. <laughs> Do you remember the future? You've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Are we back? Future? October 21st, 2015. Marty, we're going to be able to see our wedding. Wow. Future. I got to check this out, Doc. Look what happened oh. to your son. <laughs> He's a complete wimp. Don't talk to anyone. Yelping, looking, pop! Hey, look! Don't touch anything. I need to borrow your hoverboard. Try not to look at anything. I didn't invent the time machine to win at gambling. I can't lose. I invented the time machine to travel through time. Hey, Doc, I'm all for that. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? Now, the time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. But they'll all be back. Eat lips! Biff? Hello? Hello, anybody home? Why they can't be you? You're so big. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. Michael J. Fox. More like a couple of teenagers, you know? And Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future. Gotta get back in time. Part 2. Coming November 22nd to theaters everywhere. 
Yeah, I'd say it's probably the weakest of the three movies, in my opinion. Oh, okay. But still highly enjoyable. Mm, my favourite scene yeah. uh, is when... Because so obviously in the first film, Marty's skating all over the place. Yeah. He's a cool skater dude. And in the second one, he gets this hoverboard. And there's a scene where he tries to uh, hoverboard <laughs> over... What is it? Like a, like a lake? Like a pool? Yeah. And uh, what was it? <laughs> you go... So it's, Biff's, it's Griff's cronies from, right. from the future. And... Um, Marty is on the hoverboard and he's stuck on the water but he can't move mm. and so he goes Mario fly you balls out those balls don't work on water unless you've got power that's that Tom hamming up to the extreme Let, let's okay, let's hear yeah. the real version hey McFly you balls out those balls don't work on water unless you've got power <laughs> Sorry, I don't think I hammed it up at all. Those balls don't walk on water! Unless you've got power! Don't think I hammed it up at all. If anything, I was understating it. So, director Robert Zemeckis uh, said that initially a sequel wasn't planned at all, but its huge box office success obviously led to them doing it, and he later agreed to do a sequel, but only if Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd returned as well. So when they agreed, they were like, okay, well, let's, let's come up with the story, let's, let's, let's do this one. But he did say he would later regret that they ended the first one with Jennifer in the car with Marty and Doc. Because at the first one, they, uh, Doc comes back and says, Marty, we've got to do something about your kids. And then Jennifer goes off with them and they're like, oh shit, we've, got, we've stuck there in the film now. What do we do? Uh, let's just sort of dump her here and yeah. just, just leave, leave her. just to sleep on the yeah. side, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so at first, the film was going to take place in 1967. But Zemeckis later stated that the time paradoxes of the whole thing kind of led it, it'd be kind of cool if they sort of went back to the 50s again and, and sort of retreaded old ground. And used footage from the first movie yeah, into cut. very clever. Uh, the greatest challenge was to create the futuristic vision of Marty's hometown in 2015. All right, Doc, what's going on, huh? Where are we? When are we? We're descending toward Hill Valley, California at 4.29 p.m., on Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. 2015? I mean, we're in the future. Now, I remember looking at that film and just thinking, God, yeah, so fucking far away. 2015 <laughs> is like, that's just, that's millennium. It's mad. Millennials? Millennials, millennials away. away. We've passed it now, and I'm yeah. very depressed, because none of that happened. <laughs> Well, if we, I mean, I'll get onto it in a minute. I'm pretty sure. Before, I'm pretty sure yeah. you get you can get hoverboards. So and and you get those big those big screens. You get them I mean, in Piccadilly Circus. But I wanted those self drying jackets. I've never got that. <laughs> and self tying laces. Oh, self tying laces. Yeah. yeah. Never got that. Nah. But we did get Donald Trump. So <laughs> look on the bright side. The hoverboards look so cool. I remember, like, um, I I always wanted one. I made one out of cardboard. Right. So all it was was just. Yeah, a bit of cardboard, mm. and I, I drew a thing, and I don't know what I sort of sort of, sort of just sort of jumped and stood on it, and I'm like, yeah, shh. didn't go anywhere. You were a cool kid. My dad sort of did. I I made I found the designs a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, you can get the actual designs of the hoverboard, like yeah. the, pink, the pink one that he had. Yeah. And my dad made, put those designs and made it into like a plastic thing. Yeah. Thought, ah, that's cool. And then they released like an actual one. You can get ah. It. So it kind of ruined it. But I did. did you... I did win a fancy dress party on New Year's in Winchester a couple of years ago. Dressed yeah. as Mike McFly. Were you still jumping on your hoverboard and going? Shh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, uh, to keep production costs low and take advantage of an extended break that uh, Fox had and Family Ties, which was still going, Jesus. Uh, it was shot back-to-back with Part 3, which was quite impressive when you think about it. And that always works out well, like the Matrix sequels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, one, one element of 
part two, which I did not notice at the time, was that Michael J. Fox not only played his son, mm. so he played Mike McFly, he played Mike McFly Jr., he also played his daughter, Marlene McFly. So you didn't notice? I didn't notice. So when I was a kid, and I watched it for like a decade, mm. I just thought it was just a pretty girl. <laughs> Mom? Mom, is that you? I just thought... I don't know who's playing her, it's a bit random, but mm. she's pretty. And then, like, when I was researching it, like, years ago, it was like, oh my God, it's Michael J. Fox, isn't it? That made you reevaluate yourself. But why did they do that? Like a weird sort of clumps, um, <laughs> nutty professor scenario. But why bother? Why did they go out of their way to do that? They should have got the actress to play Jennifer to play her. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. No Sorry, sense. just the reference to the clumps is still making me laugh. It's a weird... So the clump scenario. We've entered the clump scenario. Not only that, uh, Crispin Glover was asked to apply the role of George McFly. Right. But he, he he was up for it. But then the salary issue, he was like, "Why aren't you giving me more money?" Yeah. And so he was where's like, my money? So he just he apparently he said yeah. that his he was going to be offered less than half of what the other returning cast members were offered, which I seem a bit seems unlikely. I doubt it. Um, so uh, yeah, get Bob Gale has said nope. Um, so he, Chris and Glover just didn't come back. Right. Now, <coughs> correct me if I'm wrong here, but what would make sense? Chris and Glover doesn't come back. You go, yeah. oh, okay, just... okay, we'll get, we just recast. Mm. But then I guess they had to edit in footage from the original movie. Yeah. All the same, the way they replaced him sounds like one of the most batshit crazy <laughs> ideas of all time. They're like, get someone who looks a bit like him and then yeah. just put prosthetics on his face to look like so Crispin Glover. Rather than writing George McFly out of the film, Zemeckis used previously filmed footage of Glover from the first film for like the 50s scene. Yeah. Um, as well as new footage of actor Jeffrey Wiseman who wore prosthetics including a false chin, nose and cheekbones and various other techniques including placing him in the background or having him wear sunglasses or having, at one point, him hanging upside down. <laughs> but it worked on me, I don't know. I, yeah. I assumed it was still... I Crispin didn't Glover. find out that until years later. I was, yeah. I was baffled and bemused. And apparently Glover was not happy. He filed a lawsuit because he was yeah. like, use my likeness, you can't use that. I didn't give you permission. After the lawsuit was settled and you were able to start creating your own film and so many years have passed, were you able to find peace with the whole thing? No, what, what, what's what, what's particularly aggravating about it now is that there's this producer, Bob Gale, yeah. co-writer, who's made up new lies on these Blu-rays. So he's got uh, this this base of millions of people that watch these movies listening to this. The he said that I uh, the reason I'm not in the film is because I asked for the same money that Michael J. Fox uh, was getting for the second movie. That is, is as false as the prosthetics that were put onto this other actor's face to make them up to look like me. And right. it's the exact same kind of spiteful, mean-spirited creativity. He is a creative person. You know, he, he wrote the screenplay. I mean, and there are positive aspects about it. Yeah. But there's negative aspects. And because I had a con- a confronted some of those negative aspects, I mean, it's more complex than that, but that ended up turning into this spite that's so, lasted for 30 years that now I've got to still deal with this guy crazy. lying about You me. rubbed him the wrong way on the set. Well, I, I the fu- funny thing is, is I didn't have the conversation with him. It was with Robert Zemeckis. I worked with Robert Zemeckis again on Beowulf. Mm-hmm. which I had a really good experience with. And and what's interesting about it is that was that screenplay was written by Roger Avery and Neil Gaiman, who are great writers yeah. and also understand Harris Journey story structure very well, and as does Robert Zemeckis. And the uh, 
The moral for that is a great moral. I love what it's about, which is that lies are bad. Yeah. And it's interesting that it has to do with lies, because that's exactly what I've experienced <laughs> with this Bob with Gale Bob guy. Gale. Um, and so since then, um, there's now clauses in the Screen Actors Guild, um, just in general, saying you're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> as, if anyone, as if anyone would. <laughs> it's like, it wouldn't happen again. It'd be like when Robert Downey Jr. decides to retire as Iron Man. We'll yeah. like, get someone who looks a bit like him and then put Robert Downey Jr.'s face yeah. on his face and then just carry on. Don't worry about it. Not a great plan. But again, so I also I, I already didn't notice him as Marlon McFly, mm. like Richard Fox. I didn't notice the Christian Glover been recast. Mm. Jennifer was recast as well, and I had yeah, no idea. Yeah. So Claudia Wells uh, turned it down because her mother was ill at the time. So Elizabeth Shue, who's now a big star in CSI and lots of other stuff, she she was recast. But again, I just didn't notice. Because now I feel like I've got a thing that goes off in my brain. If I see a famous person in the street, I recognise them. I know who they are. Well, don't, don't forget, didn't, didn't you once tell me you think you've got like I've, a, 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 a superpower? I'm going to be a super recognizer. I'm going to be. It's this. not a job. It's, it's not a job. I'm going to assist the police. <laughs> super recognizer. That's what they're called. I'm going to notice people from far away and I'll be good. But back then, clearly didn't have the power because uh, uh, she was recast. I can't wait for your crime procedural where you recognise people from far away, aiding the cops. But in 2011, uh, Crawley Wells returned. We'll get onto the games later, but she came back to voice Jennifer Parker, which was very nice. Oh, so very she, nice. Did, she did come back. But she was pissed. <laughs> so uh, the film did correctly predict a number of technological and sociological changes that occurred by 2015. <laughs> Including Donald Trump, yeah, <laughs> Donald Trump, ubiquitous cameras, use of unmanned uh, flying drones for news gathering, mm. uh, widescreen flat panel TV sets mounted on walls with multiple channel viewing, uh, video chat systems, hands-free video games, talking hologram billboards, wearable technology, tablet computers with fingerprint scanners. Uh, popularity of three D film in the twenty tens was somewhat accurately predicted. Yeah. Is that still go- is 3D still going? Yeah, yeah, is it? it still makes 3D so films. I go out of my way to not go and see 3D films. It, it's, one, it's one of those weird things where everybody hates it. Yeah. It's not like, I know, I, know, I know we complain about a lot of things. Yeah, it's not like, but, yeah, but, but, we're uh, it, but it's actually quite popular. We, we no? complain about a lot of things and we don't expect the world to bend to our will. I've never but, met anyone who's gone out of their way to go, uh, oh, um, the new Fast and Furious films out. Oh, is it? Yeah. Which yeah. one do you want to see? Oh, definitely the 3D film. Yeah. Oh, 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 no oh, oh what? This, this film's only showing in 2D. Now I'll wait for the 3D screening. No, no one wants it. No, no one. one especially, especially me wearing, a, you know, a, yeah, specs, exactly. a specs wearer. I have to wear, there is no time you feel no. less sexy or uncool yeah. than when you have to wear the double specs in the cinema. 3D glasses on top of your actual exactly. glasses. One cool moment. In the 2015 scenes, uh, the film imagines the Chicago Cubs winning the 2015 World Series against the fictional Miami-based Gators, um, referencing the, the Cubs' long-standing failure to win a championship at the time. So in the actual 2015 season, the Cubs qualified for the postseason. This means something to America. It's <laughs> not to us. The Cubs lost the championship no. series. It's not quite the World Series to the New York Mets. However, despite losing 2015, one year later, the Cubs did actually win the 2016 World Series. So one year out, they actually won the actual thing that was depicted in the film. Who were they playing in 2015? The New York Jets. Yeah, in, in the in the in the fictionalized version, they were playing a team that doesn't even exist. No, but in the real version, like they should have just let them win. Yeah, it's be like, comes back to the future, yeah. let, let's win. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, but they did it. They did it eventually. So Back to the Future Two also brings up a lot of questions regarding time travel. So we are going to do a time travel episode one day. Well, we are fascinated by different yeah. films and TV shows and their time travel rules yeah. and how they differ and what what the rules are. And in this film, it does bring up the whole kind of alternate timeline thing. I'll I'll let uh, Doc Brown explain it properly. Imagine 
that this line represents time. Here's the present, 1985, the future, and the past. Prior to this point in time, somewhere in the past, the timeline skewed into this tangent, creating an alternate 1985. Alternate to you, me, and Einstein, but reality for everyone else. this it's the bag the sports book came in i know because the receipt was still inside i found them in the time machine along with this it's the top of biff's cane i mean all bit from the future correct it was in the time machine because biff was in the time machine with the sports almanac Holy shit. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. So does that mean what's happened in the first movie when Marty got back? Yeah. And the, sees... sort of, the sort of morally dubious end scenes where he, he, he sort of rewrites how his parents are. Yeah, because it's that thing of, do you, does he still have the same memories? Because surely his whole life will be different. Yeah, but Marty is, if, if it's anything like the Doctor Who rules, yeah. Marty is out of time, right. so he is sort of preserved from changes to the timeline. So he has no memories of what his actual life is now. No, so that would be weird, wouldn't he? He has, yeah. to, he has to adjust so to I everything being had different. Suddenly, two different memories all at once. Well, maybe, maybe, but I, I always presumed if you're out of time, but, but, in, a, in a in a time machine which is outside of time, when you return, um, you, you're. So how do you just replace the Marty that had been there technically this whole time? Do you know what uh, I mean? I think you kind of like phase in, or maybe it's like Rick and Morty where you have to like kill yeah, them and take I mean. their place. All right, Morty, here we are. Oh my God, Rick! Is that us? Ooh, we're dead! What is going on, Rick? I'm freaking out! Calm down, Morty! Look at me! Oh, calm God, down, I Morty! No, you you got to calm, calm yourself, Morty! Morty, calm down, Morty! Morty, you got to calm down, Morty! Morty, will you listen to me, Morty? Shut up and listen to me! It's fine. Everything is fine. There's an infinite number of realities, Morty. And in a few dozen of those, I got lucky and turned everything back to normal. I just had to find one of those realities in which we also happen to both die around this time. Now we can just slip into the place of our dead selves in this reality, and everything will be fine. We're not skipping a beat, Morty. There's actually a really dark scene after yeah. the end of the first Back to the Future movie where Morty has like bludgeoned yeah. his, his, his other version I to can't death. wait to when we do the time travel episode because we're going to go along oh. all the different rules and, and figure out our our personal favourite one that makes the most sense. We'll enjoy it. No one else will. No one else will. <laughs> Back to Future 3. Mm. So, after finding out that Doc Brown is trapped in 1885, Marty sets out to find the 1955 Doc to help him fix the DeLorean, which has been waiting for him in the mind shaft for 70 years, just go with it, and restore it to working order. Learning that Doc got sh- gets shot in 1885 by Biff's great-grandfather, Buford Mad Dog Talon, Marty travels back in time to save Doc, who has become a blacksmith, and bring him back to the future. Arriving in the middle of a melee between the United States Cavalry and American Indians, an Indian arrow pierces a hole in the drawing's fuel line, emptying the gas tank and rendering the engine useless. Doc falls in love with school teacher Clara Clayton and considers staying in the past. Marty must convince Doc to come back with him and find a way to get back to his time before it's too late. After several dramatic action scenes involving using a speeding locomotive to push the floor into 88 miles per hour, Marty returns to 1985 without Doc Brown, who stayed behind with Clara in 1885. When the appears in 1985 on the same train track as planned a modern train destroys the DeLorean Marty worries that Doc has been lost in the past forever when suddenly Doc Brown appears in a new time machine modelled after the locomotive how did he make it back then don't worry about it he introduces Jennifer and Marty to Clara to whom he is now married and his two sons Jules and Vern 
Doc's last words of wisdom is that nobody knows their future, so they must make it a good one. And the locomotive flies across the sky and disappears, ending the trilogy. Here's the trailer. Oh, let's watch, let's watch the trailer. From out of the west, in a cloud of dust, a thunder of hooves, and a mighty... Great Scott. I know, this is heavy. Indians! This summer, Marty and Doc go back one more time for their greatest adventure of all. Doc's living in the past. Just try it, Tennant! But he's about to be history. What kind of a future do you call that? I'm going back to 1885 and I'm bringing you home. It's the last roundup. Come on, run! It's the final showdown. Hey, lighten up, jerk! Where Marty makes a name for himself. What's your name, dude? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? Doc meets his mate. This hit my life. I'm a proud of your service. And Tannen meets his match. I'll hunt you and shoot you down like a duck. It's dog, Buford. Shoot him down like a dog. Michael J. Fox. Where'd you learn to shoot like this? 7-Eleven. Christopher Lloyd. There's a fella that can't hold his liquor. And Mary Steenburgen. I never ever met a man like you before. <clears throat> Gentlemen, excuse me, but my friend and I have to catch a train. This summer, Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis invite you. Come on, Marty! To the Rough Rider. Rip Roar. Rootin' Tootin'. Straight Shootin'. It's just a it's a science experiment! Rousing conclusion of... Back to the Future. Let the festivities begin! Back to the Future, Part 3. Yeah, on paper, it's probably the worst one. It's just, oh. it's a lot of fun though. It's what? great. No, 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 it's good. It's good, but it's oh, what? Oh. It's like, oh, you know, Marty in the fifties, awesome, slick, you know, rock and roll, American diners, Marty in the future. That's cool. Well, West, uh, it's still good, but it's it is the well, weak, it is the who you've got one. to blame. Who? Mark J. Fox, because the origins of the Western theme lie in the production of the original film. So during the filming of the original, director Zemeckis asked Mark J. Fox, "What time period would you like to see, Michael?" And <laughs> What? That's Alan Partridge. What time period would you like to see, Michael? Mark Fox uh, replied, I want to visit the Old West and meet cowboys. Like a 10-year-old. Like, like <laughs> Zemeckis and Bob Gale were like, hmm, <clears throat> but held oh. off until part three. Do you, do you know what I was thinking as well? Is Doc Brown obviously loves Jules Verne. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Man on the Moon and all that. Yeah. And he's like, right, I call my kids Jules and Verne. Jules is like, pretty cool name, Jules. His other kid, Vern. I bet Vern is furious. Why is he called it? Vern? You call me Vern? It's not a name. <laughs> so the, the last two films were shot over the course of 11 months, apart from a three-week hiatus between the parts two and three. When Michael J. Fox filmed some episodes of Family Ties, which was still going on somehow. But imagine trying to do that. So apparently, so <coughs> Semikis, while shooting most of the train sequences, Gail was in LA doing the final double part two. So Zemeckis would wrap photography and board a private plane to Burbank where Gale and his engineers would greet him on the dubbing stage with dinner. So I like the idea that he'd just say, here's your dinner. 
they didn't have time to fuck about. No. He would oversee <laughs> the reels completed that day, yeah. make changes when needed, and then he would retire to his hotel for the night, and then the following morning he would just drive back to Burbank and board a flight to the to California and shoot the rest of the third film. So, like... Was this really easier? Yeah, they said they were doing it for, for like, convenience. Why doesn't sound do it easier. Back to back? Just leave it a couple of years. Like, every other film in the history of time. <laughs> and they were lucky it turned out well. Again, Matrix sequels. Doesn't always work out well. Mary Steenburgen. Wife of Ted Danson. Wife of Ted Danson. Dancing, <laughs> dancing, dancing. Um, apparently, when she received the script, she was reluctant to commit to the film until her kids, who loved the original, hounded her. It's very similar to Christopher Lloyd in that respect. Mary Steenburgen plays... Clara Clayton. Mary Steenburgen? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's the wife of Ted Danson. Yeah. I've only ever known of Mary Steenburgen as like a concept previously. <laughs> I, I met I met Ted Danson once and uh, and, and as, as I as I approached Ted Danson to interview him, he was speaking to another actor. Yeah. And he was telling this actor that he should uh, he should join him that night on a on a, a party that was happening on like a <laughs> boat. This was in this was in Monte Carlo. And Ted Danson was like, You should come. I'm gonna be there, my wife's gonna be there, Mary. Mary Steenburgen. I like that Ted Hansen introduced his wife by her full name. So I was previously only aware of her. Oh, they get divorced. No, what? Well, as of a couple of months ago. So... Oh, no, no, no. I've read it wrong. Uh, I searched, I searched Mary, Mary Steenburgen, Ted mm, Danson. Mm. It says, Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen aren't getting divorced. <laughs> Wait, read, what is that a new story? I'm getting divorced and I assumed, obviously, that they're going uh, Apparently they're not getting divorced. Imagine, imagine if she, she did leave him, he'd be, he'd be dancing on his own. <laughs> He'd be dancing in the dark. Dancing in the moonlight. <laughs> oh. uh, but I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm glad they're still together. What yeah. a feeling! Be dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let's talk I'm about Back to the now. Future. Uh, apparently, Christopher Lloyd shared his first on-screen kiss ever in this film. So it took him no, a while, but it took him a while. Uh, I like the fact that this film also starred veteran Western film actors Pat Buttram, Harry Carey Jr., and Dub Taylor as three saloon old-timers. Now, Buttram, you'll know best, as the uh, for his voice work, he played the Sheriff of Nottingham in the Disney version of Robin Hood. Ah, the, well, the best screen version exactly. of Robin Hood. Take a look and see what just breathed in the door. Why, I didn't know the circus was in town. Must have got that shirt off on a dead Chinese. <laughs> and also, the uh, music band that performed in the West, played by ZZ Top. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Famously, Tim the Got Beards, the one that hasn't got a beard, called Beard. <laughs> Do you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. his surname is Beard, and the one he hasn't got a beard. Ironic. So that's all three films. Still plenty to talk about, though. Eh? Really? I thought we blazed you. Yeah. I thought I was, I was, I was yeah. going to relax, then. Eh? Future. Future for Back to the Future. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis, he has approval of all films in the Back to the Future franchise. He's basically said, yeah. nah. Fuck you. Because 100% it would have been remade by now. Definitely. It would have been a, it would have been a TV show. I hate to say it, if Michael J. Fox hadn't sadly got Parkinson's mm. and he was 100% well, mm. guaranteed they would have done it. What, a, a the studio re- bosses would have convinced Zemeckis to have done it. They would have all been well enough and they would have just done it. No, but they would, they would do a reboot with like Zac Efron oh. as Marty. Christ, imagine. Yeah, so he, Zemeckis has said he'll block all attempts to do any kind of remake or reboot of the original film. My boy, Zemeckis. And Bob Gale has said he didn't ever wish to see the film without uh, Margie Fox playing uh, Mike McFly um, and acknowledging that his current health condition would make it impossible. Uh, he said, the idea of making another Back to the Future movie without Margie Fox, that's like saying, I'm going to cook you a steak dinner, but I'm going to hold the beef. <laughs> 
Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, in a USA Today interview in 2015, uh, the day of Martin McFly's arrival in the future, Christopher Lloyd said that he would consider making a fourth film under the condition that the original cast and creative team returned, along with a story worth telling. So. Yeah, and and we want actual Crispin Glover, yeah. not just someone wearing his face exactly. <laughs> in, a, in a terrifying Texas Chainsaw Massacre scenario. But there has been a sequel of sorts. Go on. The cartoon TV series, which I have never seen in my life. It lasted two seasons, each featuring 13 episodes. It ran on CBS from uh, September 91 to December 92. Uh, although it takes place after the movies, Bob Gale has said that it is not in any way in the, the continuity. Of it's not the a canonical. Yes. Do you want to see a trailer or the intro? Go on. Back to the future. Your favorite characters from the enormously successful feature films and the hilarious network cartoon series are on home video for the first time ever. Price to own. Each cassette features at least two entire episodes of exciting animated fun. Plus, there's a live action segment with Christopher Lloyd. Doc Brown here. As you can see, I'm visible once again. These time-hopping cartoons are filled with adventure. Oh, you are too bored, Arnie. So fire up the DeLorean. Hold on to your flux capacitors and join Marty McFly, Doc Brown, and all their friends in the exciting animated series that has won the hearts of millions. Back to the Future. It's here today and available on video cassette. Collect the entire series. At least two episodes. Every cassette will contain at least two episodes. Three if you're lucky. You're lucky shits. <laughs> could be at least three. Could be at least two. Could be three. But did you know that happened? No idea. No. I had no idea. I don't think it ever came over to the UK. No, no. We we would be we would be all over yeah. that if it had been. Following the conclusion of Bad Day's Future Part Three, Doctor Emmett L. Brown settled in 1991. Apparently, and so he just comes back to 1991 in this cartoon series. So. So at the end of the third film, yeah, yeah, he's just living in 1991. What about with, Clara? With Clara, oh, okay, and good. Her sons Jules and Vernon, well, they and made, Dog Eye and stuff. They, they made they made the effort. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> living in the same farmland where Clara lived in 1885. As with the films, time travel is achieved through the use of modified DeLorean, which has previously been rebuilt after it was redestroyed. How redestroyed after it was destroyed? <laughs> How don't worry about it. What's happened to the time-travelling train? Although Martin McFly <laughs> is the show's main star and Jennifer Parker makes occasional appearances, the show focuses primarily on the Brown family. It's like the Chewbacca thing of the Star Wars Christmas special. So did Marty's not, not even in it So he's much. in it, but it it's, it's kind of focuses on Doc. Uh, Biff, the film's villain, Biff Tannen, also appeared from time to time. Uh, in addition, relatives of McFly, Brown and Tannen families appeared in the past or future parallel time zones visited. Unlike the films, which took place in Tyne Hill Valley and the surrounding area, the series frequently took the characters to exotic locations. And at the end of every episode, Doc Brown would appear to do an experiment, often related to the episode's plot. So Thomas L. Wilson and Mary Steenburgen were back. So Mary Steenburgen actually voiced Clara again. Thomas Wilson voiced Biff. But that was it. That was it. <laughs> Lloyd appeared in live-action sequences, as you saw in that, but not to voice the actual character. But if he's doing the live-action sequences, why can he not do Trend the voice? did voice Doc Brown. Uh, go on. Dan Castellaneta. Dan Cast. Dan uh, clarinet. Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. Yeah. Wow. James Tolkien also featured. He played um, Strickland in the original movies. He came back, but he didn't voice Strickland. <laughs> Who did he voice? <laughs> just random character. Uh. So he was back. So yeah, I just like the fact that that existed as a thing, but it it wasn't official canon. Oh, there you go. It's a little gem. Yeah. 
there were also lots of games over the years. Uh, Telltale Games released a great one in 2010, the closest you can possibly get to an official sequel, and I really loved playing this. Bob Gale actually assisted in writing the game's story. Margaret J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd allowed their likenesses to be in the game. <laughs> which, which is important, as we yes, know, under SAG rules. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Lloyd also provides the voice of Doc, while AJ Lacascio played the role of Marty, but Marty Fox did appear to voice two cameo roles in the final episode. He, he played not only future versions of Marty McFly, but his forefather William, which is quite nice. Yeah, nice. So again, I won't go into the plot too much. It's well worth playing the games. They've got the, they capture the kind of mood and comedy and all sorts. They've got the music and everything. But yeah, I'll play you now a little clip from the film so you get what I'm talking about. Let's have a taste. I'm telling you, this sale is a joke. Doc's only been gone for a few months, and I happen to know... Well, you know him better than I do, son. But the bank is within its rights to sell off his stuff. Uh, Doc, where are you? As you are well aware, time travel is an inherently risky activity. There's always a possibility that I could land in trouble sometime. You come to my rescue in the past. Or was it the future? Anyway, when you get there, I'm sure you'll figure out what to do. Good luck. Well, that looks amazing. Yeah. And, and I have to say, was he called, called AJ? AJ? Well, yeah. He, he does a bloody really good, good impression. Michael J. Fox yeah, impression. Yeah, really good. I say. <clears throat> um, get them now on PS4 and all that kind of stuff. So well worth playing. Uh, in 2015, I had no idea this happened. Doc Brown Saves the World was a directed video short film directed by Robert Zemeckis and starring Christopher Lloyd. What? So the short is featured on the 2015 Blu-ray and DVD release of the Back to the Future trilogy. Yeah. It was written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale with music by Anne Silvestri. Silvestri. So Emmett Brown is an un- in an undisclosed location outside Hill Valley. He sets a video camera to automatically track his body in order to videotape a message for Marty. And he explains that it is um, October 21st, 2015, one hour before Marty, Doc and Jennifer arrive in 80- from 85. He explains that when he travelled in the future, he discovered that there was a nuclear holocaust that occurred <laughs> Dark in twist. 2045. He tracked it down to four inventions, the food hydrator, self-lacing shoes, the hoverboard, and the Mr. Fusion. Again, I'm not going to ruin it. Mm. I could talk about all of it, but it's worth watching. It's only like 10, 15 minutes long. And normally it's not on YouTube, but get the Blu-ray, DVD, or whatever. Yeah, it's, shut it's up. What's wrong with you? Stop yeah, trying to, exactly. stop trying to freeload. Actually, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's great. Um, little, little, little bonus, little yeah. addition to the to the canon. And the cast have uh, reunited over the years, including one particularly great moment in 2015 on Jimmy Kimmel. Doc, Doc, where are we? According to my calculations, this is the year 2015, Marty. The future. <laughs> Whoa, 2015, that, that, that's heavy. All these people once got here in their flying cars. Uh, no, you know what? We never figured out flying cars, actually. We never did figure that out. Oh, oh. who are you? Oh. I'm sorry, my name is Jimmy Kimmel. You traveled, time traveled into the middle of my talk show. So. You have a talk show? 
Yeah. What happened to Johnny Carson? Oh. He passed away. Johnny Carson passed away. Oh. I did not know that. Yeah, he did. I'm sorry you had to find out on TV. It's not, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, but it was, it was quite a while ago, and he was older. Oh. So, TV, are people watching us on TV right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, people are. People are watching us on TV right now, although honestly, most people will probably watch us on their phones on the toilet tomorrow. That's, that's gross. It's better than it sounds. Not so terrible. It's really actually kind of fun. So, you haven't invented flying cars yet? No, we have not, yeah. You at least have hoverboards? They call them hoverboards, but they're not really hoverboards. <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you achieve peace in the Middle East? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful scene. Oh, again. mate, you would have... You would have uh, if I was there. Urinated yourself. Yeah. Covered yourself in piss. <laughs> if you were there. <laughs> I don't know what I'm driving at here. What I'm trying to say is you would have been very excited. Facts. You like facts, don't oh, you? Oh, I love facts, mate. Yeah, we'll have a few facts. So, Christopher Lloyd... Only ever has one scene of Leah Thompson in all three films. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp auditioned for Marty, uh, while Dudley Moore and Jeff Goldblum were considered for Doc. Really? So Whether I take that as realistic or not, I don't know. Johnny Depp wasn't as good as Eric Stoltz. No. I wonder, what's Depp's height? How would that have panned out? Like, who would have <laughs> lost their roles? Who would have kept their roles if it had been Depp? Uh, Michael J. Fox is three years older than on-screen dad Crispin Glover, and just over a week younger than on-screen mum Leah Thompson. Hmm. Hill Valley's town is located at a back lot at Universal Studios and has been used for many other films and TV shows, including To Kill a Mockingbird, Knight Rider, Gremlins, Batman and Robin. <laughs> ba- Batman and Robin? Or Batman and Batman Robin? and Robin. Batman and Robin. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Bruce Almighty. Here's just, I'm going to show you a photo just mm. so you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I frequently don't. So... See, that is a picture of Jim Carrey running about. And you can see the clock tower in the background. It's, oh, yeah. it's the exact same set. This has just been there for, like, decades. Yeah, just used for lots of other films. Fascinating. Very strange. Uh, Billy Zane made his first film appearance in oh, Back to the Future. I love Billy Zane. You know I love Billy Zane. Yeah. Uh, While well, Elijah Wood debuted in part two as the little kid playing the computer game. Yes, he did. Pre-North. <laughs> And a uh, little, little nerdy fact, there are actually four DeLoreans in 1955. So you've got the first one that Marty travels back with. Boom. The one that Old Biff uses in part two to come back to. Back Boom. With. The one that Marty goes back again with in part two. Boom. And the one that Doc has stored in the caves after being set back to the 1880s. Boom. So four DeLoreans all exist at the same time in the 50s. Quattro DeLorean. Yes. A little car joke there for all the, all the car fanatics. <laughs> well, that is about it. Uh, there's probably more we could discuss, <sighs> but I'm exhausted. I'm 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 knackered. Yeah. I'm yeah, I mean, I'm done. Easily my favourite trilogy of all time. <laughs> mm. But just a perfect amount of fun, sci-fi, romance, charm. comedy, adventure, charm. Just, good, just great. Yeah. If you don't like it, you just don't like films. Sort yourself, <laughs> sort yourself out. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Do you know why I think you love it as well? What? It's because no one's ever remade it. So yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's contained. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah it's not, no one's ever remade it or tried to do a revival. If or... they did do a fourth film, even, you know, Mark J. Fox came back and Chris mm. Brown was back and they tried to do it, I'd obviously be so excited to watch it. I'd mm. be very excited. But that'd be that part of me that was like, ah, oh, you've ruined it. 
ruined it now. Something about, there's something about just leaving yeah. something precious. Exactly. And leave it as it is. So uh, if you enjoyed that, I'd say head over to our website, twogeeks2beers.com. Mm. Download all 39 episodes. 39, including this one. Including this one. So 38 <laughs> for this. Uh, and go on our social channels. Yes, which is uh, Two Geeks Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yes. Mostly just pictures of us drinking beer. And who yeah. wouldn't want to see that? So check us out on social and please head over to iTunes as well mm. to give us a rating because we love it when we, we see that we love a little it helps a lot I love a little rating little review five stars obviously yeah. what, what else would you give us why would you be cruel why don't, are you weird about it don't be, don't be weird just give uh, us five stars so what are we uh, doing next time well we are doing our second in our irregular series of uh, of of episodes that focus on just one person yeah. so we did our Keanu Reeves episode yeah. I think we can all agree that was a big success yeah. uh, and uh, next time uh, I'll be hosting uh, a Bruce Lee episode delving into the filmography of Bruce Lee his, his, his movies his sadly quite short lived mm. uh, movie career but also the impact he had and some of the just quite bizarre sort of cultural impact that he had as well so we'll be we'll be delving into that in the next episode of Two Geeks Two Beers so we're going to end I'm actually going to kind of let you choose what music to end with oh interactive I'm not going to do Busted's Year 3000 even though they mentioned the flux capacitor and a flux capacitor Um, so you've got a choice between so you've either got Power of Love classic Back in Time Mm. which was the underrated one which was the one at the end credits or the Back to the Future version of Johnny B. Good. Oh, I, I, I want to hear. I want to hear Johnny B. Good. Yeah, yeah. The Back to the Future version, not oh, Chuck Berry. No, I want to hear. I want to. You gotta hear this. You gotta hear this. I'm doing. I'm doing the little phone <laughs> thing with my hands. Let's Chuck, hear Johnny B. Good. Chuck. Chuck. Your cousin Marvin. Marvin Berry. <laughs> Johnny B. Good performed. Actually, do you know, I'm gonna find out who sung this. Not performed by Michael J. Fox, performed by Mark Campbell and band. <laughs> cheers, cheers. So cheers to that. Cheers, Mark and band. Yeah. That was some serious shit. All right. Uh, all right, this is, uh, this is an oldie, but, uh, well, it's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen, this is the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay?
So I like the fact that uh, Chuck Berry hears that. Yeah. And v- sort of di- distantly over yeah. the phone. And then word for word, chord for chord, recreates the entire song over the phone. Incredible. Oh, talented guy. So uh, agreeing to produce it, Spielberg set it up with his company, and uh, that's where it all started. (laughs) 